Welcome to the God Took Me to Las Vegas broadcast. I'm your host, Randy Mortensen. This is a weekly 25 to 30 minute program where we provide answers for your I don't know how. Whether you're dealing with recovery issues, emotions from a loss, or maybe life is just throwing you one more curveball than you were expecting, I'm so glad that you're here today. It's always great to, to see that we have people listening and joining and watching this this broadcast from coast to coast here in North America and around the world. Last count, I think it was 45 or 46 countries. So to each and every one of you, thank you for taking time from your busy schedules to connect. And if you're watching this on Facebook, please leave a comment there. If you're depending on what other platform you may be listening to this on, please hit subscribe. Um, and and later in the show, I will talk more about a 21-point assessment that's a tool to determine whether you or a loved one qualifies for one of my programs that's called the Lifestyle Champion Cohort. One, one of the things that sticks out to me in that video is the difference between apology and amends, right? Apology is just words, essentially. And amends, you're actually now taking action to try to restore or heal or make up for something that you did. And I mean, I'm, I'm that guy that could say I'm sorry a thousand times a day and never really mean it, <laughs> right? Because I'm sorry is easy. I'm not saying that's a decent apology. I'm just saying that I'm sorry for many people in relationships that are hurting. I'm sorry is, is worthless. It's meaningless, right? And, and so that was what stuck out for me in that is she really went into, into a bit more detail than I've seen before to say this is an apology versus this is an amends, right? And so that was, that was kind of the, the learning for me. And then I, I think the other thing that obviously came from a non-faith-based recovery program that came from an AA group. And I think the interesting thing that I normally talk about in step nine is, is if you look at the wording of the 12 steps in traditional 12 step rooms, you will not see the word forgiveness in any of the 12 steps of, of your traditional programs. Forgiveness isn't in any of the steps, basically. So this is where the faith-based recovery programs go above and beyond what were great programs, you know, the, the, the 12 steps. But what I like to, to say is, is this is the big book, but this is the real big book, right? And, and so we're fortunate that there's been authors and, and others that have said, you know what? The Bible offers instructions as to how to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us in addition to seeking the forgiveness of those that we've hurt, right? That's a major difference between faith-based rooms and, and you know, just your, your traditional rooms. So here's my question for you. Who's the most difficult person to forgive? Myself, right? No question, no question, me. So we're going to talk about step nine, I've got too many words, so I'm going to have to go really fast, and we're going to skip through it, so Tori's going to have a hard time keeping up with where I am. But the two words that I really want to drive home tonight are forgiveness and grace. Say that together. Forgiveness and grace. 
Okay, which one would you rather have more of? <laughs> See, <laughs> I knew that would be a mixed bag of, of responses, right? It, can, can, you, can you have grace without forgiveness? Probably not, right? But some would say, absolutely, God has all the grace that you need. And God's a forgiving God. There's no question about that. So as, as we look at step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever, whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Here's why I want to kind of not do a deep dive, but really kind of peel back what, what is written in the book of Matthew in 5, 23 and 24. In the Life Recovery Bible, here's what it says. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, what do you do? Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Right? That doesn't mean God won't take your sacrifice. That means that he knows us well enough that if we've got some baggage, then let's, let's figure out how to get rid of that baggage before you actually come and bow down before him. And, you know, step eight, just really quickly, just for context, we, we should have made that list of people we've harmed by, by the time we're through step eight, okay? And what? Be willing to make amends to them all. So, there's another verse that, that really fits with this that we're all familiar with that goes to, for steps eight and nine in Luke 6.31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I, in my notes that I've said for 15 years now, that's really a sucker punch in my gut. That's a gut punch for me. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Okay? The Life Recovery Bible has it a little bit different because, because, you know, in the past we've talked about how to evaluate relationships and everything. But when you say do to others as you'd like them to do to you, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, we need, to, we need to do a better job of making good choices in our lives, basically. Because, because we may do things to others that we don't want them doing to us, but we, we, we say it, but we don't act it, right? And, and so, so as we look at evaluating relationships, as we're willing to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us and make amends for the harm that we've done to others, the key thing is, as we're working through this, you shouldn't expect any rewards back. You shouldn't necessarily expect others to offer you forgiveness, right? We have to be examples, and that's where, that's where really forgiveness and grace have such importance in steps 8, 9, and 10. And so I will talk about forgiveness, grace, and amends, okay? Have you ever heard that there's three kinds of forgiveness? Have you ever heard that before? Three kinds of forgiveness. So I'm going to share, I'm going to share the, the different types of forgiveness. And what, what I really like to hone in on, on, on this step is, I'm just going to read it. To be completely free from your resentments, your anger, your fears, your shame, and guilt, you need to give and accept forgiveness in all, underline all areas of your lives. 
Why? Because if you do not, your recovery is going to be stalled, thus incomplete. Okay? If we're not completely free from resentments, anger, fear, shame, and guilt, right? What's, what's the primary cause of relapse? Guilt and shame is what it's all about, right? So, so here's, here's what I want to talk. Here's my question for you. Have you accepted God's forgiveness? Have you accepted God's forgiveness for all those things you did? That's where steps four and five come into play, right? Because by this time, you've gone through steps four and step five where you've not confessed, you've admitted, you've written them down. And now we're into eight and nine. But, you know, when I say, have you accepted God's forgiveness? The question could be, have you really accepted Jesus' work on the cross? That's really what it is. Because his death on the cross said what? All of our sins are canceled. All of your sins are canceled. He paid it in full. It's finished is what it says in John 19.30. It is finished. Those are words that, that we don't often bring up even at Easter. right? You'll hear it, but what does it mean? It means it's finished. It's done. Now, you know, God makes people right through their faith in, in Jesus Christ. And God does this to all who believe in Christ, but the free gift of God's grace is already within us. It's already prepared for us. And there's nothing we can do to earn it, but God wants to set us free from that drink and that porn, that, that drugs, that those compulsive destructive behaviors, whatever they are. And we've, those sins are forgiven, as it says in Romans 3, 22 through 25, they're forgiven through what? Faith in him. Through faith in him. So here's my next question. Have you forgiven others who have hurt you? Have you forgiven others who have hurt you? Okay, some are going to say yes. Some are going to say no, not yet. Some will say, well, I can't do that. You know, I, I, you know and so... Here's, a, here's my guidance for, for, for this thought. Have you forgiven others who have hurt you? You must let go of the pain of the past, the harm, and the abuse that's caused by others. Because why? Because until you're able to release it and forgive it, it will continue to hold you as a prisoner. That's the sad part. If we don't release it and let it go, it continues to hold us as a prisoner. And, you know, I've, I've heard teachers on the steps say, you may owe God an amends. You may owe God an amends, right? Now, not that he's saying, well, make amends, otherwise you're going to hell. He's not going to say that by any stretch. But remember that the harm that others did to you was from their free will, not God's free will. I was the guy that when my dad died at 45, I thought God was punishing me for my choices. I thought he was, you know, I, I thought that's why the loss was there. That was compounded when the emergency room physician that Sunday afternoon overdosed and killed my five-year-old son. I now was totally convinced. First you took my dad, now, now you took my son. I'm sorry, God, I've been doing all these bad things but I didn't know you were going to punish me so harshly is what I would think even in my drunken stupor, stupors. 
So, so it, you know, here's, here's what I want to say to reassure all of us. In his kindness, God called you, God called me to share in his etern- eternal glory by, by the means of Jesus Christ. Okay? So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. God called each of us to share in his eternal glory because he sent his son. He sent his son. So after you've suffered a little while, is what it says in 1 Peter, after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. That's an amen right there, right? He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation, is what's in 1 Peter 5.10. So I'm not going to go through all the words that I have for this, but this is normally where if somebody in the room has been a victim of sexual abuse or physical abuse or childhood emotional abuse or neglect, first of all, I want to say I'm truly sorry for, for the pain you've suffered. And I don't know how you feel because that I'm, I was fortunate not to, to have survived through that. But I do want to emphasize with you. And, and you will not find peace and, and freedom from your perpetrator until you're able to forgive that person, is what the notes say. Okay, remember, forgiving him or her in no way, forgiving him or her in no way excuses the harm that was done against you. However, forgiveness will allow you to be released from the power that person has had over you. And I've had women, guys in, in, in the group that, you know, I can see the tears coming down their cheeks because this is the first time they've heard anybody even address that as, as supreme hurt and pain and so on. So my third question for you tonight when it comes to forgiveness is, have you forgiven yourself? Have you forgiven yourself? We said at the beginning, who's the toughest person to, to forgive? Me, right? So what? here's a question for you. What past actions in your life do you still feel guilt and shame about? What are those past actions in your life that you still feel guilt and shame about? My encouragement would be to list them, pray about them, and work on them with your sponsor. Okay? You may feel that the guilt and shame in the past is just too much to forgive. That's not true. There's nothing any of us can do that God is not capable of forgiving us for. So remember that in Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The scripture, there's so many scripture that talk about this, um, this item called forgiveness and grace. So as we grow as Christians, we grow in our recovery. We want to follow the guidance and directions of who? Of Jesus Christ. As we grow, as we get to know him better, we want to model his teachings and model his ways. We want to become more like him. Honestly, if we're going to implement steps 8, 9, and 10 to the best of our ability, we need to learn how to model God's grace. That's, you know, grace is, is easy to receive. It's difficult to give, isn't it? Right? 
The key verses of Celebrate Recovery, of which some of this material I had permission to, to use from Celebrate Recovery, talks about in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is enough for you. When you are weak, my power is made perfect in you. So I am very happy to brag about my weaknesses. <laughs> Whoever says that, right? But it's in scripture. So I'm very happy to brag about my weaknesses. Then Christ's power can live in me. For this reason, I am happy when I have weaknesses, insults, hard times, sufferings, and all kinds of troubles for Christ. Because when I am weak, then I am truly strong. That's what, that's what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians. Because when I am weak, then I am truly strong. I think we should have a t-shirt with that or something, right? Because when I am weak, then I am truly strong. Grace is God's gift to you. Grace is God's gift to me. God's love only comes about because Jesus Christ already paid the price for our sins, guys and gals. Grace is this gift. Can a gift be bought? No. Can we buy something and give it as a gift? Absolutely, but we don't expect any repayment for that. If we do, it's not a gift. So, so as, as I, I speed up here a little bit, Romans 3.24 talks about God's undeserved kindness. In other words, he gives it to us. He declares that we're righteous, okay? And, and if my relationship with God was dependent upon me being perfect, I'd have trouble relating to God most of the time, okay? He gives strength. He gives me the power to make amends. He gives me the, the wisdom, I guess, to offer forgiveness, for sure. And how do we receive the gift of God's grace? You receive it by your faith. You receive it by your faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are, are two more verses. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward, Okay. You walking, my Aunt Betty walking across the gates of heaven this morning wasn't a reward. She didn't do anything to earn it. She believed. And none of us can boast about that. But, you know, it, it's, it's really important for us to come to an understanding that God is more interested in, in who we are, how we live. He wants our, our walk to match our talk also. And, and it's through Christ, through our faith in, in Christ, that we can find the strength and the courage that's needed for us to take action in step nine. And that action is making your amends and offering your forgiveness. Okay, so let's, let's skip ahead, Tori, all the way to the, to the next slide, which is, which is nine. Because here, I'm just going to highlight that, that this is all about amends, forgiveness, and grace. That's what this is all about. Amends, forgiveness, and grace. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Okay? Forgive others, and your heavenly Father will be quick to forgive you. Okay? Christ paid the price. Remember that. Christ paid the price. He died on the cross. Why? So all our sins 
all our wrongs are forgiven. He paid that price. He sacrificed himself for everyone in this room and many, many more. So what do we have to do? We accept Christ's work on the cross. That's how we then relate to God's strength and power to enable us to forgive those who have hurt us. And Ephesians 1.7 says words that are powerful. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Okay? I don't know about you guys, but I have a, I'd have a real hard time saying, yes, son, go be nailed on that cross. I love you so much that this is what we're going to do, right? And, and so, so God is so rich in kindness and grace that he sacrificed the blood of his son to forgive our sins. Here's the other beautiful thing. God's grace is an everlasting gift. God's grace is an everlasting gift. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God's gift of grace is forever. It's forever. It's unlike the snicker bars that melt away. Okay? God's grace is forever. So as, as we allow this to be woven into our lives, I'm not going to take the time. If you have the big book from AA, on pages 83 and 84, it says, once you've completed step nine, you will know a new freedom and a new happiness. Once you've completed step nine, you will comprehend the word serenity and you will know peace. You will suddenly realize that God is doing for you. This is what it says in the big book of AA. You will suddenly realize that God is doing for you what you could not do for yourself. Okay. And so I will just say, guys and gals, I stand be, before you today as a product of God's grace. Everyone here this evening who's let Christ into his or her life is also a product of God's grace. You know, and that's why these rooms are so powerful because we know the brokenness. We don't know the specifics of each other's brokenness, but we know that there's a reason why you're here. And, and whether it's a loved one or whether it's, you know, some poor choices that you've made, it doesn't really matter. Because if you don't already have one life verse, I would suggest that you consider Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, where God says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were less than nothing, now you, insert first name, are God's own. Right? Once you were less than nothing, now you are God's own. Once you knew very little of God's kindness, now your very lives have been changed by it. Okay, this step is one of my favorite <laughs> as far as the lessons that are here. Okay, so we, we have talked about before the admit, the believe, and the commit. So I just want to weave that in as I close this out in prayer. So Heavenly Father, um, we know that, that you sent your son 
to die for us. You loved us so much that you gave us grace for our eternal comfort and you gave us wonderful hope. You gave us comfort and you strengthen each and every one of us in every good thing that you do and you say. So for that, Lord, tonight may be the night that somebody here in the room is ready to, to say, you know what, God, I've kind of drifted away. Or, God, I know I need to make this decision. So, God, I pray that, that whatever that situation may be, Lord, that, that tonight is the night that he or she will, will just admit some of the shortcomings or admit some of the poor choices, God, and, and that they, they now believe that you truly did send your son to offer forgiveness, to offer grace. And, and God, I want, I want each and every one of us in this room to commit to living a new, fresh life, live life in a new way so we can experience your grace, your love, your peace. So true righteousness will be exhibited in and through each and every one of us. Thank you, Jesus, for the life that you gave, the sacrifice you made, that we'd have that promise of life and eternity with you. And all God's people said, Amen.